Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corker Foundation for Mental Health. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of other people who do as well. We've learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame about their experiences makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. Every now and then, while writing one of these episodes, we come across some perfectly timed piece of information or well-worded thought that we can use in it. Today, there are actually two. The first is a short poem called Why Bother by Sean Thomas Doherty. It goes, Why bother? Because right now, there is someone out there with a wound in the exact shape of your words. That actually made me a little emotional when I first saw it, and it just did again when you read it, Bridget, because this episode is about a podcast listener who found that hearing the shared stories of peers who also live with depression was so eye-opening and healing that he reached out to share about his own mental health journey. His and our hope is that some of his words may be the exact shape of your wounds. Mm. The other quote by Stephanie Sparkles is one that we've shared before, but it's worth repeating. I love when people that have been through hell walk out of the flames carrying buckets of water for those still consumed by fire. Hmm. That quote came to mind a couple times as I interviewed today's guest, John. We introduced him last week in episode number 188. He shared how some of the abuses, traumas, and injustices he suffered as a child impacted his sense of self. But he says he never related them or his self-esteem issues to what he only recently realized was lifelong depression. Today we talk with John about how the pandemic led him to both his darkest place and to new understandings that have brought clarity and healing. Please listen as John carries buckets of water back into the fire by giving his voice to depression. Our interactions with John started over the Giving Voice to Depression community Facebook page. During COVID, he found us online and wrote to say how hearing what he called honest, loving talk here had been very empowering for him. He also wrote, quote, Your podcast was the first time I heard people talking about what a sneaky, dirty little bastard depression is. And when we broached the idea of him being a guest here, he replied, if you think it would help others, adding, I feel insecure and a little ashamed that I didn't get all this years ago. I don't know why I was so obtuse, but it just never occurred to me, even though I studied psychology for many years. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean about the intellectual and the emotional, those two things. I mean, there can be great intellectual understanding. We can all understand, you know, I can read a bunch. I can be very academic. I'm very cerebral, but, um, yeah, blind spots, 
right? I yeah. mean, I think that was, for me, just a huge, huge blind spot. I think in partly because I associated depression with weakness and another and a character defect and um, kind of waving the white flag in a way. Uh, I know that, that sounds strange, but that's how I felt. What John felt during the pandemic was his worst ever depression, which he describes as being in the you can run, but you can't hide place. And it wasn't until I really got to that dark place during COVID that um, I, I realized that there was a lot on the line for me. There's a lot on the line. I mean, I, I really got to a dark place. Um, I'd had suicidal ideations, oh, I would say a few times in my life, but never as serious as the last one that I had when I was self-quarantining. So that's what really scared me. That's what really said, wait a minute here. Something has got to change. John called his doctor, got back on antidepressants that had helped him before during what he considered situational episodes, and started therapy, determined to answer the lifelong questions that had plagued him. Why does this keep happening to me? Why do I keep having these dark episodes where I feel like the bottom would fall out or I felt super hopeless? John found the answers, or some of the answers, to his questions, not in the books, research, or studies he accessed, but in the personal stories shared by people like himself who live with depression. And it really wasn't until I started hearing people talking about depression as if it was a disease, as if it was something that they had that was um, not their fault. It was like obsessive-compulsive thinking, on negative things that won't go away, and it's that same old treadmill. And that described my life to a T, constantly battling that. And the amount of energy and the amount of, of pain that that produces, that I'm never enough, I'm never going to be able to do what I need to do, that began to go, oh my goodness, I've been living with depression all my life. It was really like like walking into an, a lit room out of a dark place that I had been in for a long, long time. And then I listened to your podcast, and I heard you talking, and I heard other people sharing their stories, and it just was uh, revelatory. It's the best way to put it, it was just revelatory. It just was like, wow, this is the peace. I'm not a bad human being. You know, I'm worthy of love. I'm a good guy. I'm a good human being. We'd say, imagine that, an illness that beats you down to the point you're unable to even remember or believe that you're a good person, all while simultaneously convincing you that you're not ill, because then you might take steps to fight it. But you're listening to this podcast right now, so chances are you, like us, hardly have to imagine to understand. So please allow yourself to hear and believe John's reminder, because you too are a good person, worthy of love. Oh, um, once I started accepting it, once it's, I started to really go out there and do the research and understand what depression was, the more I felt like I had resources, the more I felt like I really I wasn't alone, Terry. And that's a powerful feeling when I recognize that yeah. I wasn't alone. What's the difference when you say research from 
going to Mayo Clinic or the National Institute of Mental Health or something else site. What's the difference between that kind of research and hearing people talk about what they're experiencing? Yeah, there are these com- these are these these factors. There are these criteria in the DSM four. There's this and this and this going on. It's very dry, you know. It's very academic, and it doesn't reach the emotional. It's when I was hearing people talk about their stories and the things they would say. I'd go, "Wow, that's me too." That that hit me on an emotional level. And that was what was so powerful for me, was that all that those intellectual pieces I had out there snapped together when I understood it on an emotional level, when I felt the only way that I could feel that level of self-acceptance and that sense of community was when I was hearing other people talk about their struggles. And that really was, the, was what the breakthrough was about. So now you're the person talking. Now you're the person someone's going to be hearing. So from both sides, now that you are familiar with them, what would the John who is listening want to hear from the John who's speaking? Hmm. That's a great question. You suffer from depression. You're not a defective human being. You're a person capable of love, and you're a person who deserves love. That's what I would want to tell myself today. That's what I would want to get out of this, is this is not a weakness. This is not a secret that you need to keep from everybody. This is not something to feel ashamed about. This is not something that you should feel less than because you you are dealing with this. You're not alone. There's a lot of help out there. There are a lot of people who feel exactly like you do. And there's help if you there's help if you need it. John says another of his notes to self is to not reflexively dismiss the commonly given advice to reach out when struggling. I would also tell myself to listen. Really, really listen. Because when I hear you talk about, oh, you know, being able to reach out and call somebody, call somebody and be accountable, or if you're really feeling terrible, call somebody and say, hey, I'm really feeling terrible. I'm really needing help right now. I need to lean on somebody. That that seems to me like saying, <laughs> it feels like, yeah, just go walk on the moon. I mean, no yeah. problem. That's a difficult thing for me to do. Um And I hope I can become better at it. I really do. I really hope I can be better at telling people when I'm struggling and telling people when I'm in a dark place. But what would that look like in real life versus in theory? How would it feel and play out? Maybe not like you fear, John says. So I've been struggling with this, like I said, all my life. I finally told one of my good friends a month ago, we were having coffee, and I said, I'm suffering from severe depression. And he looked across the table at me and goes, oh, that's funny. I'm going to go see my doctor this upcoming Wednesday because I'm really feeling depressed. <laughs> and uh, we both kind of looked at each other, and I had never thought to talk to him about it. I had never thought to share it with anybody. 
I have, I finally talked to my mother about it, and that's the only member of my family that I've ever talked to about it. That was a Herculean effort to tell her that that I had depression, that I was um, suffering, and that I I'm, I was looking for help. Maybe everybody doesn't go through that, but it, I went through that, and it was really a struggle. But as soon as I told my friend. I walked away from that conversation. I, it's hard to describe. I walked away from that that conversation feeling lighter, feeling, wow, I'm not alone. I'm really not alone. It's a wonderful feeling. One of our guests once said that we're all keeping the same secret from each other. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Yeah, I I don't I I know I've heard some of the statistics thrown around about how many people really struggle from depression, but I'm guessing a hell of a lot more than we know, and it takes a lot of different forms too. When you talk about it being inconceivable to to reach out and say like, hey, I'm really struggling, is it less inconceivable now that you know you actually have a close friend who would understand because he has the same experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to having that conversation with other people when it's appropriate. I, it doesn't feel like it's it's going to be as much of a struggle because there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to feel badly about. That's powerful. So I think it's good practice to talk to people about what I'm going through. I think that's really should be a task that I have on my on my list of things to do is to tell people uh, I suffer from depression and I am taking active steps to deal with it and manage it and learn how to live more productively with it and um, to get as much help as I need. And I'll just share something that I've learned talking to people about safety plans and RAP plans, which is Wellness Recovery Action Plan. The time to have those conversations is before you're in the pit because, A, it can be really, really, really hard, as you know, to reach out when you're in it. But uh. when you're in the earlier, you sat on that slide, you know, if they already know when you call them and you go, it's John, you know, I'm, I'm sliding, yeah. you know, that's a really different call than, hey, uh, I've never told you that, you know, but I think that maybe it's, it's, it's too much work in my mind at that stage. So um, from everything yeah. I've heard and learned from the people who you know, know these things, it's a good idea to have those conversations with the people you trust before you need them as supports so that they're on call sort of when you do. That's great. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best time to do it. Because you know, as as you suffer and as I suffer, when when we get to that place where you can't imagine even getting out of bed in the morning, where uh, things are so hopeless that nothing matters, nothing matters, picking up the phone would be mm -hmm. akin to pushing a boulder off myself. Versus now when I'm in a, a much better place and I'm on medication and I'm in therapy and I'm doing things to uh, address it, uh, now would be a much better time to do it for sure. Yeah. So after that, you know, Oprah would call it your aha moment. But I mean, after that shift, after that puzzle came together, after you walked into that bright room. Mm-hmm. What's different now for John? How is your life different? How are you different? How is the way you feel different? 
Well, so there are a few things. Number one is is that I'm on medication. That really helps a lot. I was trying to describe it to my friend. He's now on medication too. And we were talking about it the other day. And I said, you know, it kind of makes molehills out of mountains. Hmm. So it just, for me, it makes everything a little bit easier to deal with. I tend not to roll into the ditch as much. I take my daily schedule a lot more seriously now, Terry. I don't know if everybody with depression deals with this, but a lot of times depression can be so overwhelming that we don't have a daily schedule. We don't have a a way of guiding ourselves along. And I have found that for me, you know, getting up at a certain time every morning, getting my exercise in, doing my work, getting home, doing the things I need to do, getting to bed, getting a good night's sleep, making sure that I'm reading, making sure that I'm reaching out to other people, uh, doing those sorts of things uh, on a regular basis for me has a lot of power. I feel so much more grounded and so much more able to feel like I'm moving forward, feel like I'm making progress, feel like I'm in a better place because um, I really respect that that daily schedule. I really respect the things, the, the work that I'm putting in to taking care of myself and loving myself. So I think that's that's the difference between me then and me now is that I thought that that stuff was for everybody else. I thought medication was for other people. I thought the daily routine that we have didn't matter to me, but it matters a great deal. It matters because it's a way that I can take care of myself and I'm worth being taken care of. I'm worth taking care of myself. That's a good quote. I'm worth taking care of myself. Jeez. Jeez, what a formidable enemy that voice of depression is, that it makes us forget that we are worth taking care of ourselves and worth loving ourselves. Absolutely. John asked me, when you talk about those negative thoughts, one part of the interview I didn't include is... He asked how you derail those thoughts, you know, when you start having the really, really negative things, what you can do to shift yourself out of that space. And Bridget, I'm going to ask you if you remember anything from previous episodes too, but I brought up mindful self-compassion and I will – we will link to some of the episodes we did on that as a a self-care tool. Um, But also that idea of writing down things – which came up just in last week's episode, that you know to be true about yourself and your life that are actually good. And having that in your own hand can help you when you reread it. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, when I'm healthy, I know that I'm loving or patient or funny or whatever your strengths might be. And that that is something that's been recommended to us by a number of guests. And you have some other things that you do? Well, I think that like moving my body in a physical way to help shift the state. It's it's often for me like shaking my arms out. If I if I'm mm. sort of perseverating or stuck in a loop and I just I'm making it I'm making up my loops. I mean they're not even like real scenarios. I'm imagining, you know, negative conversations. And for me that's where I go. And so physically like stopping it or even like imagining that I'm picking up the needle off of a record album to stop whatever I'm hearing right then and then placing it down somewhere else. It's just to, to kind of 
talk back or shake off. Just stop the loop. Hmm. I think, well, two things. One one blessing I have or that we have is each other because I don't think we're ever going to let the other person think that they are without worth because I know personally my life has been better since the day you were born. So thank you for being there for me. Mm. Um, thank you. And the other is that I want to ask our listeners, you know, everybody hopefully has something that has helped them that does help them. You know, your your image there of the album other than um, dating ourselves uh, is, is really exactly. good. That's a powerful one. So I would ask anybody who has something that helps them when they're slipping into that, ugh, just the repeat, you know, the tapes that just play, anything that can help interrupt them. If you go to givingvoicetodepression.com, our website, in the upper left corner on the home page, there's a record widget. And if you click it, you can record a message up to five minutes long for us. And I'd love to have a bunch of these to play in a future episode and say, these are some things that are tried and true. These are some things that other people with depression have done to try to stop those thoughts, shift the way you're thinking. Shift your state, yeah. Shift your state. So, yeah, I, I ask anybody who is willing to help somebody else to, to do that. And I thank John for helping all of us. He uses the word powerful uh, often when he speaks, and uh, what he just did was powerful coming out so soon after sort of naming it and and realizing that it is depression and that it's been a lifelong companion and the things that helped and that hearing stories helped and then right away shifting into, so I'm going to tell mine and help someone else. That's a a bold and, and beautiful move. Powerful and beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you, John. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.